Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. I said I get to go to Big Kids Church this morning, so it is a privilege to be here. It's exciting to be here. Uh, home, home is where your heart is, so we have several homes now. <laughs> we have homes all over uh, Ontario. Uh, we do have three kids, so our oldest is in Woodstock right now, working at a factory, living at his uh, grandparents' house. We ask that you pray for him. He needs a lot of prayer. Uh, we have a, a second son, Ben, who's living in London, attending Gateway Church. And uh, he's uh, going into his second year of online Vanguard, so he'll be doing Vanguard this year. Uh, he wants to be a missionary in Honduras. Imagine, imagine that, why? And uh, he's dating a girl who is uh, also called to Honduras, so we, we, they met actually in Honduras. So that is, uh, for some of you know, uh, Gateway Church, Tim Schwint's daughter, Heather. So they're, uh, they've been dating for over a year now. Uh, there is plans coming soon. We don't know when. I told them that we work our budgets a year ahead, so you need to let us know ahead of time so we can get flights planned into our budgets and stuff like that. So we have no idea when that's coming down, but the lists have already been made, they say. <laughs> so we know something's coming, but we don't know when. And then we have a daughter that we just dropped off yesterday, Niagara College. So she's now living in Virgil, uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake. So we dropped her off yesterday. So as of 2 p.m. yesterday, we became empty-nested. <laughs> I celebrate now, but next week when we get on the airplane, I'm going to be like, where's my kids? How did this happen? So we just want to share quickly what God is doing in Honduras. It's incredible what God has been doing over the past six years. When we first went there, it was a very small ministry, very tiny ministry. Right now, it is ginormous. And God has just been blessing uh, the ministry. And what we've been doing there has given us great favor. We have 25 Honduran staff. So because of that, we're able to do much more than what we can do with two people or three people or whatever. So God has just given us such favor within the public school system. So we just want to share a little bit of what God has been doing. Okay, one of the things that we do is we are in the kindergarten classes. And they are, uh, they're not really a part of the, regular, the schools that we're in. They're, they have the same names, but they're in separate locations. And those are taught by a lady named Carla and her daughter, Shirley. Shirley just recently came on staff. And Carla has a real passion and love for these little kindergartners. And they are super cute. Very super cute. We have one child uh, who is, uh, has Down syndrome. And he's been in the kinder class now for two years. But uh, he's a strong, strong hugger. And he will uh, hug you too much. And he'll suck the life right out of you. So when we have teams from Canada that come down, I don't warn them. I just bring the child over to them and say, you need a hug today. And then the team member will, oh, they take the, the life right over you. But they are very cute kids. We also are in the Bible classes in the, uh, the public school, elementary schools. So when we first went down there, we had three schools with about 1,200 kids. Now we're in 17 schools with over 6,000 students that are hearing the gospel of Jesus. So we have 13 staff members. Uh, the girl that, uh, uh, that I have been training, her name is Carla, or Karina, sorry, Karina, I have given her the job. So on February the 1st, I handed over my position to her. She is now the, the children's pastor within the, the public school system. 
and she does all the organizing. So all the administrative stuff has been given to her. She does all the organizing, scheduling, payments, everything. All I do is oversee her. Actually, she is technically my boss. So I call her my boss, and she says, no, pastor, you will never be, I will never be your boss. You'll always be my boss. So that frees up to do other stuff. We're starting to do some other uh, things that God has given us as far as vision goes. And uh, we still go and visit all the schools so that the directors know who we are. And uh, it's very exciting, very exciting to be able to hand over a job to a Honduran and to release them and to, because we've already equipped and trained them, but it's, it's exciting to be able to release them and say, you do the job now. So that's exciting. Um, then we also have started the high school. So as a result, we came back for a few weeks at Christmas time and met with your uh, men's prayer team, and they said they want to take on this project. So February the 1st, we began a brand new ministry, high school Bible classes. Uh, the, the children that we have are our child care plus sponsors uh, kids uh, have gone through grades 1 to 6, and usually that's when we stopped. But now we're able to go into the high school and continue the gospel of Jesus Christ into the high schools, which is a very, very different uh, ministry. We had no idea what resistance we would feel. And those that work in the high schools know what I'm talking about. It's incredible to go in and teach the gospel of Jesus to these students that have no idea what Jesus is all about. Most of them will say they're, they're atheists, but then when you start asking them what exactly is an atheist, they can't give you a definition. They have no idea what it is. All they know is that they don't want to believe in God. But now the questions are starting to come. So I have given them curriculum. I've given them lessons. But so far, they haven't followed any of my lessons. Because when they go into the classrooms, the kids are, uh, teacher, I have a question. And, and uh, Hanson was telling us, he's uh, pictures up there, Hanson was telling us that, that God has been bringing back to memory the verses that he learned as a child in his church. God has been giving them those verses so that he can answer with them with the scripture. So he's just been praying and, and saying to us as we pray in our, in our uh, staff, uh, staff meetings, will you pray for us that God will continue to give us the wisdom to know how to answer these students that have questions that... It's just crazy, these questions that are coming up. And so it's been incredible, this ministry. Uh, you guys gave us the funds in order for us to do this. We needed $3,000, and we received $3,000 from this church. So we want to thank you this morning for giving us that uh, donation so that we can go into the high schools and do this. And so God has just been blessing this ministry beyond, beyond our imagination. One of the things that we teach is the seedlings course. And actually, it's taught by a lady named Rosie who is from Mexico, and she married a children's pastor from Texas, and they are missionaries in Honduras. So she actually volunteers her time, and this course is taught to the grade five students, and it's a foundational course, like from creation to the second coming, and there's opportunities for salvation. And also, at the end of the seedlings course, every student receives a Bible, and I wish you could be there to see their reactions when they find out that they're receiving a Bible because it becomes their own. They're not used to having, they might have a Bible in their home, but it's not theirs. They're not allowed to touch it. But we tell them like, mark it up, like write in the margin. If you feel like God is speaking to you, write it down. And they, some of them will cry. Um, they'll cheer. They'll carry them around at recess like it's a treasure. So um, that's just one of the things we do. We also have what's called Child Care Plus. That's the Pentecostal Assembly Sponsorship Program. So these students that are sponsored then receive money in order to buy shoes, uniforms, be able to go to school. Many of the families have five, six, eight children. And so some of the children will be able to go to school, but the other students cannot go to school. So with the sponsorship program, we're able to let other students within the families go to school. 
And that's how we get into the schools then, because we're sponsoring them in the community to go to a school, and then we go to the school and say, so because you've got kids that are sponsored by Child Care Plus, by the Pentecostal Assemblies, we would like to come in and teach the Bible. So that's how we get our in into the schools. The, uh, the government requires a certain amount of hours anyway for, for uh, values to be taught, and the teachers are not trained on how to teach those values. So when we come and say that we've got the training, we've got the ability to come in and teach biblical values, will you let us come in? And of course, the directors are like, please, <laughs> please come in, because we don't have a clue what we're doing. So we have opportunity to go into any school we want. Uh, the, the list is actually, there is a waiting list waiting for us. They would want us to come to their schools, but we just don't have the staff or the, the finances right now for all of that. But uh, eventually, we want to grow. So with the, um, with the, you can go on to the next couple of slides there. So with the, um, the kinder and the schools and the high schools, we have over 8,700 kids that are receiving the gospel of Jesus. So our goal, <laughs> our goal next year is to, to get to the 10,000 mark. That's our goal for 2020, to get to the 10,000 where 10,000 students will be hearing the gospel of Jesus every week. And it's not just a little Bible story or whatever. We really do uh, intentionally give them the, the gospel of Jesus. And we're allowed to talk about salvation in September will be our month. We just started September 1st. We allow them to give opportunity for them to raise their hands if they want to accept Jesus into their lives. And so many, many, many salvations every year. It's kind of hard to record them because, of course, every year it's the same kids with the same hands. So if you go into a classroom and two kids raise their hands, well, then they all raise their hands. So it's kind of hard to record how many salvations, but we know that the seeds are being planted. We know that there is a harvest. We know that kids are coming to know Jesus Christ, and that's the, the, the most important part. Uh, so with the Child Care Plus then, it's great to be able to sponsor a child so that it gives them an opportunity to go. With that, they go through high school. Many of the students in our, in our community will never get to high school. So with the, child's, with the sponsorship program then, it allows them to go to high school. And then we also have now a scholarship program for, for university students. So we allow them to go to university, but they can also come back and work for us. So we've got three employees right now that work for us, that have gone through the high school program with the Child Care Plus uh, program, and now they're giving back to our program by working for us. So they get paid by us, but we're also giving them money to be able to go to university. So most of them go to university in the evenings or in the, in the afternoons, but they work for us in the daytime. So that's pretty exciting to have some of these kids come back and work in our program. One other thing that we do is the nutrition program, and this program is for the kindergarten students, and every uh, school day they receive a protein drink. It's kind of like the consistency of cream of wheat porridge. Most of you probably know what that is. Um, and so they receive that, but not only that, um, all of the uh, sponsored children receive food every month and that is included in, uh, in their package. And it has all the nutrients that they need for an entire day. And so it's not only benefiting just those students, it's now going into the homes and feeding the families as well. Oh, and the tutoring program is a new program that was started because we were finding that some of the students were struggling in their classes and not maybe graduating at the end of grade six. And down there, the class sizes are huge. You might have 40 or 50 kids in a classroom, so the teachers can't necessarily give help to a student who's struggling. So this program was started to benefit those children and we're finding that kids are now graduating in grade six and not, uh, not failing their grade. Uh, we just recently have started in the last two years a water filter project. 
So in our community, 1998, Hurricane Mitch came through, wiped out a large portion of, of the city that we live in, Tegucigalpa. It's a bowl-shaped city. So if you've been there, some of you have already been there. Uh, we have mountains all the way around us, but it's kind of like a bowl-shaped city and uh, mountains everywhere. We actually live on a mountain now. We just moved in the last year. So we actually live on a mountain with snakes, poisonous snakes, but we avoid them. We stay away from them. We <laughs> have seen three or four of them now, but they've been dead. The guards are good. They, they chop their heads off, and then we just see the rest of it uh, just lying on the foot. That's our, that's our neighborhood. That's our community that we live in. But uh, in the community that we serve in, it's about 10 minutes away. Uh, the, the government said after the hurricane came through, you guys can go in and land on this mountain and do what you want, and we will come back and, and help you settle and so forth. So they built a lot of wood homes back then and stuff. And, but over the past 20 years, the government has not done anything. Spain, at the very beginning, gave millions, millions of dollars, and not one penny landed in that community. And so the mayors that we work with, we work with community leaders, and they're called Don, Don, uh, whatever, but they're mayors, and uh, the mayors have told us we're called the forgotten people because we've been left to, to come here and settle, but then the government didn't do anything with us. So there's no roads, there's no, so when the, the rains come, the rainy season, uh, there are days where we cannot get to the schools because the roads are just washed out or whatever. But, uh, so there's no roads, there's no water, there's no uh, sewage, there's nothing for these people. And there's no access to water either. There's no streams or rivers or lakes or anything in our area. We do have a, a, a lagoon, a reserve or whatever, and when the rainy seasons do come, it does fill. There are times where it does empty out and dry out, and then we'll go days without water. Even in our location where we are, there'll be days where we don't have water because the lagoon is just dried out. So what the water trucks do is they pick up the water, bring it up to the mountain, to these people, and then the people drink it. So over the years, they've had parasites incredibly uh, sick people. And that's why in the schools, and that's why we wanted to have the nutrition program to help them. And so we wanted to dig a well. We tried to do that. I think I mentioned this once before. We tried to dig a well, and the well did not, uh, we weren't successful. The, the water was there, but then we lost the water. So what do you do? I mean, we'd already spent thousands and thousands of dollars that Pentecostal Assembly churches had given us but uh, we decided to go to a water filter project. So you can see in the pictures there, they're kind of like a blue container there that has uh, sand, gravel, pea gravel, all the different things. And it creates a good bacteria that destroys the bad bacteria. So when they put in the, the water from the lagoon, it, it just filters it. And it's supposed to last for up to 15 years. Technically, you don't touch it. You just leave it there and you don't do anything with it. And for 15 years, you can have fresh water. And so we've done some testings. Uh, it's difficult to get it tested. Somehow we've got to figure out how to get that water to Canada to have it tested. But uh, they don't have any standards down there. There's no standards of, of testing for them down there. So we have gone to some companies, and they'll say, yeah, I think the water's fine. But there's no standards of testing. So it's really difficult for us to, but we know that the water's good there because we've got one in our house, something similar, and we've had other people drinking it, and they're fine. And the health unit now has come to us. So between the nutrition project and the water project, the health unit has come to us and said, uh, we're seeing fewer and fewer people come to the clinics because there's no more parasites, there's no more uh, disease and, and so forth, sickness. So we know that the water filter project is working. Uh, we've done over 400 already uh, in the home. So this also gives us opportunity to go into the homes and pray with them. So we have a pastor on staff, Victor. Some of you have met him. So Pastor Victor does this. Uh, Henry is actually one of our graduates. So he went through all of the the high school with a child care plus sponsorship. A church in Newfoundland had sponsored him. And now the church in Newfoundland is, is supporting him to go to university. So he's in his, going into his third year of engineering. And uh, 
taken university, but he works for us. So he installs between six and nine filters a week. So we go into different houses. Then Pastor Victor goes with him. So Pastor Victor is a smart guy who writes it down and says, so what can we pray for? And then at the end of the morning, they pray with each other. And then what we do, like I said, you don't have to touch the filter, but we tell the people we have to come back and check the filter, even though they don't need to have it checked. Uh, it gives us opportunity to get back into the home. So you've got 400 homes now, but now we've got a system where we go back after three months, after six months, and after a year, we go back and we check them. But we also have their prayer requests still on that piece of paper. And we'll say, so you talked about your sister having cancer. We've been praying for her. What's the, the latest on that? Or, or whatever their prayer request might be. And then we pray with them again. And so through that, we've been seeing healing, healings. Uh, we've seen a couple of miracles, uh, salvations, because Pastor Victor has a heart for pastoring. He has a heart for seeing souls saved. So this has been a, um, an awesome way for us as Schools of Hope so we're no longer just in the schools now. Now we're getting into the community. So that means if you've been to Honduras, you've seen my car. I have a bright, bright yellow Nissan Xterra. I've had it for six years. Uh, it's a 2000, so people keep saying, well, 20 years old, you need a new vehicle. But everybody knows my vehicle now. <laughs> I don't want to change the vehicle. But it's kind of cool because all the kids knew who we were, but now the parents and grandparents and other people in the community know who we are. So when we drive through the community, we're very safe. The gangs don't want to touch us or anything because they know what we're doing. We're there for the water. We're there to take care of the kids. We're there to feed them. We're there to give them Bible instruction. And so uh, it's very cool to be in a neighborhood where everybody knows who we are. <laughs> so there's like 30,000 people living on this mountain, but they know who the gringos are. They know who the white people are that are coming to, to do work for their ministry or for their community. So it's been very exciting. The water filter project has just been mind-blowing for us, and we're re really excited to be a part of that. Uh, so uh, one of the greatest things that I, I enjoy doing is uh, bringing in a team and to equip them, to release them, to go and do the work of, of the, the, the gospel. And, and so it's not a Dale program, it's, it's uh, Schools of Hope. We want to work together. And so we've been gathering over the past six years, gathering Hondurans that have a heart for Jesus, that have a heart to serve, that have a heart for their community, that have a passion for Jesus to, and to see God's word go into the schools. And so we've been gathering these people. But it's one thing to gather, but it's another thing to assemble. So at Christmas time, as a dad, I would buy Christmas gifts, give them to my kids, put them underneath the, the tree, and kids get up in the morning, and they rip these, these gifts open, and they would receive a nice large box. And what does it say on the box? Let me hear you. Some assembly required, yes. I remember getting a bike one time and trying to put the bike together, and, and there were pieces left over at the end. And I was like, I'm sorry, son, you cannot ride this bike today. <laughs> I need to figure out where these pieces go. Or you go to Ikea. How many have ever gone to Ikea? Some assembly required, right? And so you get back home, and it tells you on the front page that you have X number of nuts and bolts and all that. And, and with my personality type, I usually count to make sure that it's right because I want to make sure I have all the right pieces and everything. And you put the, the item together, and then at the end, there's eight nuts and maybe three screws left over, and you're like, oh, boy. So either the person cannot sit on this. When I have company over, I'm not going to let them sit on it. I'm definitely not going to let them lean on it, because I don't think I put it together right. Some assembly required. So if I take all the pieces out of the box, and I put them into a pile, and I put it in front of me, have I assembled it? It's not assembling, is it? But once I put the piece to, together and start putting all the, the pieces that belong together, and then, of course, you've got the picture on the front, uh, 
front box so you know what your, what your ultimate goal is. You know what you're trying to achieve. And so you have that picture, and you start to put all the pieces together, then everything starts to assemble. Everything starts to come together. When we come to church, some of us are gatherers. We gather, so we want to hear the preaching of God's word. We want to enter into worship. We want to learn from God. And so sometimes we gather. Maybe we even gather because we want to see our friends. So maybe you only see each other once a week. Hey, how are you? What's going on? How are you doing? And so we gather, and that's okay. In the Bible, there are many times where people gathered. You read throughout the, the, um, the New Testament and the ministry of Jesus, how many times do people gather? In fact, I found, what is it, 34 verses. There's 34 verses that refer to people gathering in the New Testament. And so they would gather around Jesus, whether it be on the hill, on the hillside, and then Jesus had to feed them, or whether they gathered in a house, somebody falls off the windowsill, they gathered so much into the house that there was no room for the, the man to come through and they had to let him through through the roof. So there were many times where they gathered. And so gathering is not a bad thing. Gathering is a good thing. Why did they gather? Because Jesus was there. Jesus was in the house. So they gathered because they wanted to hear from Jesus. They've been hearing about the miracles and the healings. So they wanted to come. And so many people would gather together to hear Jesus. They wanted to see what was going to happen. They wanted to see Jesus spit into the ground, pick up some mud, put it in the eye, and see a blind man become completely healed so that he could see again. So they wanted to come and hear. They wanted to come and see things. So they gathered for all those good things. And so it's okay for us to gather. But I noticed in Honduras that gathering the team was one thing, but we began to grow so fast. We began to grow so incredibly huge. We're like, oh, what do we do? Like, this is becoming way beyond us. This is becoming too big for us. We can't do this anymore. So with the ones that we had gathered, we began to figure out what their giftings were. We began to figure out what their personality types would be. Where would they fit? What can they do? Maybe you don't belong in the school teaching. Maybe you belong putting in a water filter. Maybe you belong tutoring because you've got really high grades, like you're getting a 96, 98 in math. You should be tutoring the ones that are in grade five that are only getting a 70 is a pass, so maybe they're only getting a 72 or something. So we need to help uh, put these people together. And so we began to assemble our team. Right now, we've got an awesome team. I believe it's the best team in all of, all of the world. You may have the best team in Canada, but we have the best team in all of the world. It's incredible because we have assembled them together so that they can work together in unity and harmony and to achieve something large. Because God knows what the big picture is. I have no idea how big this ministry will get. Six years ago, when I was leaving to go, I mean, first of all, I look back and think, what were we thinking? I remember knocking on Pastor Charo's uh, door. We lived two doors down from him. So I remember knocking on his door and saying, we're leaving, we're going to go. And he, he knew that that was coming. It didn't surprise him at all. In fact, I think when we announced it in the sanctuary, many of you knew that that was coming. It wasn't really a surprise to many of you. But when I look back now and I think, what were we thinking? Because to take three kids to Honduras, and, and uh, it's not a safe nation, nation at all. Uh, we don't share much on Facebook at all, but it is uh, right now a very unsafe nation. In fact, Carolyn was saying that she was so glad to get out of the country and go back to Canada when we came back in July to bring our daughter back to college. She just wanted to get out of there. And it's not that we were unsafe personally, but just the stress of it, just the, the knowing that these things are going on around your neighborhood and seeing it on the TV and the news, and, and it's, just, it's just there all the time. So it's a very unsafe nation. So to take three kids to a nation like that and to an unknown place where we didn't know the language at the time, 
we're okay now. We have conversations in that in Spanish. We can, we can make do with our Spanish language. But, but uh, going to a nation like that, a different culture, and not knowing what's going to happen in the future and everything, but we just dropped everything, sold everything except for a house, and we do plan to retire in Stratford. So another 14 years, we'll be back attending Bethel probably as an old person. I told Pastor Charles the other day, I said, we'll be neighbors again one day when we come back to our house. We'll kick the people that are renting there. We'll move back in there. And I said, we can be neighbors. But then I thought, but wait a minute. Same with you back there, buddy. Wait a minute. You guys are like 14 or 15 years older than I am even. So I said, I'm going to have to come visit you at the nursing home. <laughs> you won't be my neighbor anymore. But he said, well, at least you don't have me as dead. I said, no, you won't be dead. I hope not. But you'll have to, I'll have to come visit you. So like the Conniders and the Carnegies and the... I'll just come and visit you guys at the nursing home once I retire and come back. <laughs> That's my, my plan. I don't know what God's plan is, but we do want to keep our house, and, and uh, one day we do want to come back. We love Stratford, so we'll come back and retire one day, and, and uh, hopefully some of you are still living. Crits, you better still. <laughs> but we had no idea back then what God was going to do. But we know that God has that big picture, and in order for that big picture to happen... We had to begin to assemble. And that's what God is doing in the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is a large church. It's not just Bethel either. There's Elgin Missionary. There's, there's uh, the, the Baptist Church. There's other churches. The church of Jesus Christ is larger. And when people that are born again, that are filled with the Spirit, that want to, to move forward and mobilize, and they begin to assemble themselves, the church of Jesus Christ will continue to move forward. So when you gather, you're, you're kind of comfortable. You're at this level, Right? You're just comfortable. You come in, you sit, and you listen to the preaching of the word, and you leave. But when we assemble, when we start putting our pieces together and we start working together, so for example, what time are you guys here this morning? 7 a.m. So when you assemble and you start using your gifts, talents, and abilities, it's going to require something. It requires a risk. It requires sacrifice. I'm sure these guys would rather not get up at 6.30 or 6.15 in the morning. Do you? Do you want to get up at that early? No. It takes a, a sacrifice. It means getting out of bed earlier and having to be somewhere and to serve. It might take uh, um, extra time during the week. If you're preparing for a Bible study, you're preparing for a kid's lesson, you're preparing for something for Wednesday night, you're preparing, it might take an hour or two rather than just arriving and saying, okay, let's do this and go home. You might have to prepare. So when you assemble, it takes a risk. It takes uh, um, sacrifice. It takes moving up from that comfort level. So when you're gathering, it's kind of like a consumer mode. What, what can you give me? What can I get out of this? But when you assemble, you get out of that mode, and you begin to say, what can I offer? What can I do to mobilize the church of Jesus Christ? What can I do to move this forward? And so you read in, in Matthew 4, 22, as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were fishermen, and Jesus said, Come follow me, and I'm going to send you out to fish for people. So Jesus was calling young men to leave everything, to leave their fish, to leave their, their nets, to leave their, everything that they knew, to assemble a group. So he assembled a team that would go out and begin to do something. And I believe that God is calling us in this day in 2019, coming into 2020, I believe God is calling us whether it be in Honduras or whether it be in, in Canada, in Stratford, God is calling us to assemble, to continue to move forward. The church of Jesus Christ cannot plateau. 
the Church of Jesus Christ cannot begin to decline. And unfortunately, in some of our churches in the Pentecostal assemblies, some of them have plateaued, some of them are declining. We just received a check in January, and I was very happy to receive the check. Honestly, it was a church that I had never heard of before. But they said they closed their church, they sold their building, and they wanted to give to a missionary. 20 years ago, I worked with a lady at Brayside Camp, with Kids Camp. We were counseling together, and she knew about us and had talked to her husband about us, and we were the only connection that church had to worldwide missions. From 20 years ago, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I wish I'd known, because I could have gotten a monthly check from them or something. But <laughs> the check they did give us <laughs> was enough to cover all those months that we didn't get, but the church was closing. Why? Because there were no more people in the church. There was no more vision. There was no more... There was no more forward moving. And so I was grateful to get the check. I was also grieved. So this partnership thing that we're doing with the churches that I talk about on the video there, where we're partnering the churches with the schools and, and, and having them adopt. Uh, maybe I shouldn't even say what it's called, but it's called the church. The, the name of the church, and it's called the, the project. So it's called that project. I don't want to say the names. I don't want to embarrass the poor church. But, but uh, So it's called the project because what I'm doing is taking the money that they've given me and now we're going to do the forward vision. We're going to link churches with the schools so that the schools can go back into the churches and, and maybe take computer classes or English as a second language or whatever the, the churches want to offer so that the kids are now invited to go back to the churches and we're trying to link the, ch uh, the children back into churches, which is what this church should have been doing. But I believe that God wants to, to be forward moving. I mean, it's great at Bethel. You've gone to two services. That tells me that something's going on. Now, maybe it was a parking issue, but I don't believe so. I believe it was a seating issue as well. I believe there's a vision that the board has where the board is saying, we want to see more people come to Jesus. And if we have two services, it gives more opportunity for people to come. So that's a great vision for a board to have. They want to move forward. They want to see Jesus uh, brought to this kingdom in, in Stratford, to brought to this community. And so I encourage you, here this morning, September the 1st, to be people that assemble, to look at yourself and say, what are my gifts, what are my talents, what are my abilities? How am I using that for the kingdom of God? How am I allowing that to move Bethel forward? How am I allowing to move the Church of Jesus Christ forward in Stratford? What am I doing to make that happen? And there's always opportunities, always, always opportunities. And there's something for everybody, even the little things. There are things that need to be done behind the scenes. So if that's your personality type, there are things that need to be done behind the scenes. There are things that need to be done on the platform. There are things that need to be done in the nursery, downstairs, wherever the kids' ministries are. There are things to be done everywhere. And if we get involved and begin to work together in unity and harmony, and we begin to assemble, some assembly required, then you can begin to see things move forward. And so that's what we've been doing in Honduras as we have assembled our team. We have 25 employees now that are on staff that are getting paid, and it's minimum wage for some of them, but they're getting paid. They're, they're getting something that they could not find as employment. So we've been giving them opportunity. But it's their heart. These people have a heart to serve. Last year, when we talked about the high school ministry, and I said, I want to, but I don't have the funds, one of the ladies, well, actually the lady that I gave my job to, is partly the reason why she got the job, when she put her finger on, because we were talking about goals, what we want to do, and money was, money was one of the goals. We need the money for, in order to do this. When she put her uh, finger on the, on the word money, and she said, so if we remove this, how many of us would stay on staff? So at that time, we had 13 employees that were doing Bible classes. How many would stay on staff? 
And each and every one of them said they would continue. They would continue teaching the Bible of Jesus in the classes, even if there wasn't any money. And so it's their heart, their heart to serve, their integrity. They're, they're very, very loyal. I've never had a team so loyal before. But they want to move forward. And so we are moving forward. We've been able to do much more beyond, beyond what I could ever dream or imagine. Because God has allowed us to assemble this team. And I believe that that is for Bethel as well this morning. I believe that for the city of Stratford. That God has much, much more for this church, for this community. But he needs you. He needs me. He needs us to work together in unity and harmony to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community. So I just want you to bow your heads this morning. I want to pray for you and for this church. Father, we thank you that you have called us. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that came to this earth as a baby. We thank you that Jesus died and he rose again and that we have a testimony. We have life this morning. We are free from bondages, from sickness, from disease. We are free from all of that stuff because of what your son Jesus did on the cross. And Father, there are people outside these doors, the mission field of Stratford and around this world that need Jesus Christ. So I pray, God, that you would assemble a church body that would work in unity, that would work in harmony, that would come together with their giftings and their talents and their abilities. And I pray that this church would continue to grow numerically. I pray that there would be souls saved every week. I pray that there would be miracles and healings that signs and wonders would follow the preaching of the word of God. And I pray, God, that as this, this congregation continues to assemble, as they have been over the years, that God will see great and mighty things over the next few years. So we give you thanks, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to say thank you for your support, especially your prayer support, for your financial support. We do have a few magnets. If you want a magnet for your fridge to remember sets in prayer and flyers, you can come and see us afterwards. We also have a a photo book. If you want to look through the photo book and kind of get a picture of what our community looks like, that'd be great. And we just love you. We bless you and, and thank you. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 